0: It's time for JT the Brick. Hey JT, how you doing man? Now there's a new team and everybody's pretty much new and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page.
1: JT the Brick.
0: Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is. It's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. All right, we're back. JT, hour number two on Raider Nation Radio Monday as we're brought to you by our good friends at Sam and Ash, my personal injury attorneys. If you get in an accident, focus on your recovery from the injury. They'll do the rest. Sam and Ash, 702-820-1234. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Salmonashlaw.com, because you deserve what's right. The Latino voice of the silver and black, Harry Ruiz, in studio, starting to become a staple on Monday, mi amigo.
1: I appreciate that, JT. It makes my Monday even a more, a more exciting day. It's a day I'm looking forward to now, because I know I get to talk Raider football with a legend like you.
0: Oh, well, thank you. You're too kind. Let's get going here. Again, there are days like this where there's no Raider news, and I like it. I like it. Because I don't want to talk about bad news, injuries, uh, politics, gossip. We don't like this. They, they, They went out. They were super aggressive with Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams. You and I both have. A roster in front of us, uh, Rock Yassin, what they were able to do. So overall, big picture, the activity of the Raiders in the offseason under Dave Ziegler.
1: I mean, this is day one where the team officially can be in the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center with the coaching staff. And that's great. And a little bit of breaking news, if you want to Mm. say it that way. Derek Carr today, if you saw the pictures of them arriving at the facility, it was still dark outside. And someone from the social media team, shout out to Janae Hagan, she posted that D.C. was the first one there at 520 in the morning. And it's just day one of the offseason. That shows you the dedication, the commitment he has with this team. And the roster starts with him. I know that he still hasn't signed a deal But that shows you the kind of guy that he is. He hasn't signed a deal. He's there day one. Max Crosby's there day one, of course. He signed a huge, massive contract. Chandler Jones is there. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. You look at other teams, they're struggling to get their guys in on day one. The Raiders, it's voluntary. All the stars are there. That's great.
0: That's a good point you make about Derek. I compared him to Tiger Woods earlier. Not the success level, but the dedication and what he's all about. There's no... Big issue around Derek Carr right now. Uh, You wanted to talk, too, about what they did at the backup quarterback position, Garrett Gilbert, and then Nick Mullins. This is important to me because Derek's not coming off the field, period. He didn't come off the field when Mariota came on the field, which I didn't agree with, by the way. I thought Derek should have been off the field. He stood wide. Marcus never threw the ball. He exactly. should have thrown the ball. Derek should have been off the field. They should have had someone in motion. They should have been a little bit more elaborate. Just my opinion on that. What do you think about these backup quarterbacks and will they go with three?
1: It was what the Cowboys game where Diggs was still on him despite yeah. what, It was like. Well, it was the only game it worked on because everybody else is like they're not throwing the ball. Mariota <laughs> isn't throwing it and he sure as hell ain't throwing <laughs> it to DC. Right. So but Nick Mullins coming into the Raiders. I love that mm. addition. You don't need a backup quarterback that's making near $10 million a year. You need a guy that's reliable whenever you need him and that's what Nick Mullins is. He showed it in Cleveland the game that Baker Mayfield couldn't play because he had he was positive yep. then he went in and he played a solid game against the Raiders. He didn't lose that sorry sorry for the Browns. He didn't lose that game for Cleveland and that's what the Raiders need a quarterback that if it's if it's required, he's going to be there.
0: I think Cleveland made a massive mistake in that game as they tried to run the ball to close out the game and let instead of letting him throw the ball. That, that, they didn't let Mullins have the keys to that game. They were super conservative with them. I thought the Raiders caught a break. The Raiders could stop a run if you run right at them. Uh, the quarterback there, Nick Mullins, I didn't think he had enough leeway to go make plays in that game, and that helped them out. The only thing I'll say about Garrett Gilbert, and we don't know him well, is the fact that he's way ahead of Mullins in knowing what Josh McDaniels wants to do with this verbiage and the playbook here. And that, that plays a lot going forward because Peterman – was a Gruden guy, and yep. Gruden brought him back every year because he knew if Gruden needed him, which he didn't, this guy had a real big knowledge of the depth of that playbook and what he would have to do if he had to play.
1: Exactly, and that's going to factor in a very important way in the preseason as well when you need guys in there knowing that playbook in, those, in the Call of Fame game. Mm-hmm. Then the first the three weeks, the regular weeks of preseason, that's the kind of guy that you need that knows the verbiage, that knows the plays, that knows how to implement that playbook. And that's going to help out with the players that are in year one of the McDaniels era. So I like the additions. I don't think Gilbert's going to beat Mullins for the job. I Mm -hmm. think Mullins, because of his experience, he's going to be the number two. But literally the only time that Carr has been off the field is when he had a broken leg. If not, he's going to be there, and I'm going to knock on wood because I don't want that to happen. got
0: to knock on wood with that. Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, live in studio. So Alec Bars was brought in. We know about Brandon Parker, Denzel Good, and the starters that we believe, Colton Miller obviously on the left, Leatherwood at guard, and the big thing with Leatherwood is I'm fascinated if they can get him back to a skill set to play right tackle. Why not? That's why he was drafted there. And the gentleman who drafted him ahead of time, which was, we were led to believe that was a Tom Cable pick, Gruden pick, and then they they put him out there and he wasn't able to handle that. That, to me, his development in the offseason might be the most important development of any player on the roster.
1: Yeah, that can be the... Thing that takes the Raiders from being a good team to being a very good team. If you can get Alex Leatherwood to play at an above average level in that right tackle position, that makes your offensive line a great unit. If you have to slide him over to the right guard position, as they did in week five last year, then that's where you struggle. And it's like, who am I going to put there? And I, am I going to put there Brandon Parker as your right tackle? Or are you going to put there Jermaine Luminor as your mm-hmm. right tackle? Who's going to be that second or third option to you? Use at the right tackle position because your draft pick didn't pan out the way that you wanted it. He has worked hard this offseason. We've seen it on social media. He's putting in the work. Now it's time to see the development. How much he grows from year one where he struggled to year two where he has a prove it deal right now because he has to prove to this new coaching staff to Josh McDaniels to the new offensive line coach to everyone in that building that they were right the moment that he got picked in the first round. If not They got to go ahead and look into the next option because it's a 16-game season. It's not like baseball where the Dodgers lost two games out of three in Colorado. They still got 159 more. If you lose two games in the NFL, you only got 14 left. You got to play solid.
0: Harry Ruiz in studio, the Latino voice of the Raiders, brought to you by Modelo, an official cerveza of the Las Vegas Raiders, brewed with the fighting spirit since 1925. I want to push back on you with Leatherwood for a second. Why not? slide him into guard, and make him be a Pro Bowl dominant guard. Admit the mistake, admit it, put him at guard, and have him excel to be dominant at the position and be great instead of having a work in progress in a year where there's a lot of veterans here and they don't want to wait for the development of Leatherwood. They want to go deep into the postseason.
1: I look back at Colton Miller and see what happened with him. That Mm -hmm. year one, he struggled mightily. I know he was injured. He wasn't at 100%, and he still played every game. Year two, it was a huge leap for him. And now the Raiders have one of the best players in the whole league in that position, in the left tackle position, because they didn't quit on Colton Miller. It was a pick that was criticized a lot by by the Raider Nation after his first year. And when it happened, the Raiders traded down and got him. It was criticized. Same situation right now. I want it to play out the same. But if it doesn't, then slide him over and put someone in that right tackle position. But I, I want to see him reach that potential.
0: Harry's in studio with me for a while. If you want to call in, you want to talk to him about his opinion, talk to both of us about roster development, who should be developed, what needs the Raiders have still via the draft, free agency, undrafted players, 702-365-9200 is the number here. The offensive line to me is a priority. What I believe is going to happen, with no knowledge of this, I believe that there is one more diamond in the rough offensive lineman is who's going to be released for salary cap purposes, a veteran, the Raiders must sign him quickly. They must get a player quickly if they're able to do that. So there's going to be players, and they're going to have a name recognition. They're going to be released. There's going to be cutdowns when they get the roster down to 53, and the Raiders need to have flexibility to bring someone in who is proven. You don't have to have them ready For the Hall of Fame game. You don't have to have him ready for the other preseason games. But he could be the player that solidifies that offensive line.
1: Wave one already went through it Mm -hmm. in in the, the free agency. Right now, everybody's waiting for the draft to see what happens and who picks which player in which uh, round and let that go by. And then the following two weeks, then it's wave two. When you start figuring out, all right, this guy hasn't been signed. He might take a pay cut to prove his worth in this league for a one year deal like it happened last year with Casey Hayward Jr., I got a feeling the offensive linemen, we might have to wait until Mm -hmm. those cutdowns happen during the preseason when the teams have to cut their roster down from 90 and start getting closer to 53. And to be honest, if he's a proven veteran and someone that has showed his ability in this league, I got no problem with just plugging and playing him in week one, despite him not being in the system during the preseason.
0: Harry Ruiz, Latino voice of the Raiders in studio. We're talking about the offense next segment. We're going to get into the defense. So here's what I really wanted to talk to you about. Brandon Bolden was on NFL Network in a good, good, solid, deep interview about his history, his grandfather being here, knowing the system well, I believe two Super Bowl rings with New England, and then we know about Josh Jacobs here and the depth of that running back room. What do you think's going on there? Kenyon Drake, what do you think? There could be something brewing here because there's a lot of chefs in that kitchen, in that running back room. And I don't think all of them are going to be here uh, over the years holding on to Jalen Rashard because he was versatile and having the extra backs. You had Alec Engel. Uh What are they doing here in the running back room? Jacob Johnson, the fullback here. It seems crowded to me already.
1: Where there's smoke, there's fire. Ooh. And, and Ooh. I, I got a feeling something can happen, but I can't just assume and throw out their rumors that are not that don't have a foundation, but at this moment, I love that running backs room. Mm -hmm. I mean, having Jacobs and Drake healthy to start week one, that's great, but you know, These two guys, as the same as every running back in the league, there's a high possibility of injury because of the position. They get a lot of hits. They're the players that get tackled the most in the whole NFL, that position group. That's why this position is one that a lot of people start renovating through the draft and start getting young players and young assets starting in the third round because they know that they can just plug in a guy and play him and then start getting different guys. But I love Jacob, Drake, Walden, Regis. Last year, we yeah. saw him in the preseason. Great point. He did Great a good preseason. job. Um, Abdullah, he came in through through free agency. Jacob Johnson, I think the only one that Barber we all ass- last year when he played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, guys were ready to I, go. I just think Sutton Smith is the only one that we all assume that he's not going to be on the team because I don't see the Raiders carrying two fullbacks into the season.
0: What I'm fascinated by too is that last year, and I'm friends with Greg Olson and Johnny Morton. The world to me, and that offensive staff on. To Gruden. I knew how elaborate that playbook was. And I know that Josh McDaniel's playbook is just as elaborate. It's just going to be different. And from watching all of these Patriot games over the decades, Patriots run the ball with a purpose. Yep. Okay. I don't think the Raiders ran the ball with a purpose. They ran the ball into the offensive line and gave up first down. I was sick of it. It was a handoff up the middle on first down, two yards, and they buried Carr. It was second and long. They buried him. They did not run with a purpose. They didn't run outside, right? They didn't pitch the ball them outside. Pitch, exactly. None of that. They didn't run with a purpose. Now, when it was third and one, third and two, and they really needed to run with the purpose, they were able to do that. Cleveland. Look at the games that they had to do it. I believe that Josh McDaniels runs with a purpose, especially with the tight ends. And I'm wondering here... With Waller, I don't want to see Waller as a blocking tight end for injury purposes. You you don't want to risk him. You don't want to risk him there. So what do you think now as we talk about how deep this running back room is, knowing the coach Josh McDaniel's success in running the ball in the Belichick scheme and what they were able to do, and what the Raiders have here with they do not have an elite offensive line. It is not graded out as a good offensive line. So what do you do? Do you run the ball with the purpose or do you let Derek Carr with this embarrassment of riches throw on third and one
1: because he can attack? I mean, that's a risk that you have to be willing to take if your running back if your running game does doesn't evolve and doesn't become a dominant part of your offense like it did in New England. Mm. You remember that game? I know it happened because of the weather, but they weren't afraid of running 95% of their offensive plays being rushes on the field it, mm. when it was New England against Buffalo oh. in that flurry, but they weren't scared about it. They were like, "All right, we they know They
0: ran down Buffalo's throat and Buffalo was a great team.
1: They knew it was going to be a run and they couldn't stop it. That's what we would it. like to see with the Raiders. You nailed
0: it, Harry. You nailed it. In the Buffalo game, They ran with a purpose because Mac Jones wasn't capable in that weather to do anything else, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, in what was supposed to be a Super Bowl year, knew they were running it, and they couldn't scheme it and stop it.
1: Exactly. So I'm hoping this Josh McDaniels-led offense can become something similar. I don't want them to run more than 60% of the plays, but when you run it, do it with the purpose and do it with the intention of, we're going to run you down, and we're going to get at least half the distance to the – First down marker. We want to move the chains. We want to take time off this clock, and we don't want to be a team like the Kansas City Chiefs that they just throw the ball, throw the ball, get the ball downfield, score a touchdown, and leave the other team with a lot of time on the clock. And then depend on your defense of doing their job.
0: The scheme is going to be very important with the running game because I would run the majority of plays behind Colton Miller. He's their best player. Yep. And it's hard, you know, you're going to run left, and you got to make sure you go that way, and the other team's going to scheme it. But depending on what they do, I'd live and die with Colton Miller. I'd go behind him. If he can't get off the line quicker and and with authority and Josh Drake, who's ever coming behind him, especially the beast in Bolden, who's physically strong enough to push a pile forward, I would do that because they're not doing it on the Leatherwood side unless they're confident that Leatherwood can do that.
1: Yeah, and— At the moment, I look at that left side as being Colton Miller and Denzel Good. In my opinion, that's the side of the offensive line that you feel most protected from and that you can get those running backs through there to get those yards that you need. Bonus,
0: Harry Ruiz. When we come back, we move to the defensive side of the ball, and we'll get into that, and we'll talk about the addition of Chandler Jones. We didn't mention the receivers. We'll touch on that when we come back in the passing game, but I want to spend some time with Harry on this defensive roster and what we're looking at here on paper. Also at Raiders.com, they have an updated roster. As we continue on, brought to you by meetupvegas.com. Cooked out over the weekend. Unbelievable pork chops, tenderloin hamburgers. meetupvegas.com. Good chip on him. Here's Carr from the gun. Got a running zone. Fires on the move. Caught by Hunter Renfro. Jackpot, baby. Finally. Brett Mutzberger on the call. JT back with Harry Ruiz, who joins us, the Spanish voice of the Raiders. He joins me on Monday. You'll be hearing more of him coming up with our draft coverage and i um, dotting the I's, crossing the T's. We'll have a big draft remote, courtesy of Modelo. I'm working with Resorts World, M Resort, on the Friday night. We have an alumni event there, so it's going to be pretty busy as we gear up for the draft. Before we get to the defensive side, I want to mention the wide receivers here. Devontae Adams coming in, Hunter Renfro. What they're going to be able to do now. No one's talking about Demarcus Robinson and the production that he could have. Then Darren Waller's production. On top of all of this, there are a lot of players who came in here who can do some good things. Mac Collins, I like his addition here. What do you think, big picture? Carr has an embarrassment of riches now to throw to.
1: That's what he wanted. That's what he needed, weapons. That's what he didn't have for a lot of seasons with the Raiders. Mm -hmm. You look back, and his best weapon at the wide receiver position was Michael Crabtree. Then you look back at years past that 2016 magical season, Seth Roberts was his option number two. Now your option number two is Hunter Renfro. You got Brian Edwards. You got Robinson who just came from Kansas city where he was same thing. Option number three or four after and, and uh, Travis Kelsey, this is a stacked offense for the Raiders. There's no excuses. You need production. First off, you need to protect Carr. That way he has time, and he is able to get the ball to his position players. But so far, on paper, it looks great. What I'm hoping is that Robinson doesn't end up being a player like John Brown last year, that Mm -hmm. we all thought he was going to produce, and then he didn't even make it into the 53-man roster once the season started because he wanted out.
0: You make a good point about Seth Roberts, and it could go to Zay Jones. Very good players. Nice players to have. But they are not elite. They're not elite. Hunter Renfro is elite already. Yep. Darren Waller is elite. Devontae Adams is the best receiver out there. I don't know how long all three of those guys are going to play together. Hopefully long-term. Renfro should get renewed. Darren's under contract two more seasons. Devontae has got a nice deal in front of him. There is a window now to get these guys the ball and be more productive there in this Josh McDaniels offense.
1: I was reading somewhere that the Raiders are built to win now. And in my opinion their win soon and how soon Mm -hmm. next year 2023 that's the year they want to win and i'm talking about the top of the food chain the boss he wants the raiders Mm -hmm. to win the super bowl when they played here in vegas and they're building it for it to be the strongest roster in that 2023 season. And Renfro, I, I remember talking with Fred before mm, yeah. his event here in Vegas. I, I told him, I was like, year one, it was like, okay, he's an option. Year two, it was third in Renfro. Year three, it was like, hey, this guy's a weapon. Yeah. This guy is a guy that we need on this team long term.
0: Harry Ruiz, Latino voice of the Raiders here. Well, Vegas doesn't think the Raiders are ready to win. They have been eight and a half wins. Okay, there's 17 games. They so don't even have them double digits. They have the Chargers in Denver double digits and Kansas City double digits. So, Raider Nation thinks the Raiders are ready to win now. We all think they're going to be better than last year. The roster is better as we move to the defensive side. So, let's take Chandler Jones and Max first and the re-signing of Jonathan Hankins, yep. who's a good player there. Those three right there, make this a very good defensive line as they fill in the rest of the gaps.
1: Yeah, and even you add Bilal Nichols, who the Raiders Mm -hmm. signed off of the Chicago Bears, Vernon Butler, who also had pretty good seasons with the Buffalo Bills. I like the defensive line. I still would like to see them strengthened right there in that if they're going to have the 3-4 on defense, that those three guys, we need someone else to come and, and have it a, a stronger unit. But so far, so good. I'm liking it. I think the draft might be somewhere where they try to get a big dude to come and be a mauler right there in that defensive line.
0: They've tried to do that for years. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I was ta- talking to a Raider fan over the weekend, and Corey Littleton's name came up. And he said to me, how good would the Raiders be if Littleton panned out? I said, well, that's a fair question. If he panned out and he was a pro bowler, the Raiders wouldn't have the ability with the money that they had by letting him go. And what was going to happen there? maybe to go out and get Chandler Jones and Devontae Adams. So I don't know about that. I'll throw that towards you. Littleton, if he panned out well, would have been one less linebacker issue this organization has had for almost two decades. I mean, they get good guys who are average guys, and they haven't been developed to become a pro bowler here or two they missed out on Micah Parsons last year I thought they should have took the Alex Leatherwood equity and traded up to get a player like this and then I look who they brought in at the linebacker position and it just seems like they're bringing in guys to compete instead of having well that's a great linebacker that's a developing one what do you see at that position
1: and guys that Josh McDaniels and his staff know mm-hmm. like a Kyler Fackrell I'll Switch it another way JT. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they Denzel Perryman did pan out and he's a way cheaper option in that linebacker position. He did become a pro bowler. Corey Littleton didn't. So you were able to release him and get that Mm -hmm. space that cap space coming in soon on June 1st. But Denzel Perryman, he panned out and he became a great player in that linebacker position. Most tackles in team history in a season. He became that guy. First player since 1988 in that position for the Raiders that became an, a pro bowler. So I like that Perryman is still here. Let's see how he fits in this scheme.
0: Harry Ruiz, the Spanish voice of the Raiders, joins us in studio. Who's got to prove to Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler that they're worthy to be here more? Jonathan Abram or Trayvon Mullen?
1: I'll give both of them in that top spot. They both need to prove that they deserve a spot in this Raiders uh, starting 11 in on defense. Mullen, the best ability you have is availability. He didn't have it last year. And that's why he couldn't become a difference maker for this, these Raiders. You look at what happened with Nate Hobbs. He was available mm-hmm. every single game, and he was a difference maker on this defense. That's why when you had a Nate Hobbs and a Casey Hayward on the field, the defense looked better. But then you were missing that other spot with with um, Trayvon Mullen Jr. that you had to use a Desmond Trufant and all the other options you brought in from the L.A. Chargers from the Gus Bradley scheme. Mm-hmm. So the Raiders... They need than to prove it, but Jonathan Abram as well. He needs to become a way better player in that safety position because safeties, you need them deep. You don't yep. need them at the line of scrimmage. So you need him to prove it as well. He's
0: got to prove that he can cover in the passing game. Finally, Harry, as we wrap this up, the defense here, I think is better than it was last year on paper because of Chandler Jones. He changes everything because it frees up Max Moore. You can't chip and double-team both of them at the same time. We we mentioned the linebackers and what they want to do in the secondary. I wonder, Rock Yassine and what we're going to see here, and Darius Phillips came in, more of a special teams guy that can start at corner if necessary. And you know, there's still some names out there.
1: Yeah, and he's like a Dallin Levitt yeah. that you – have him as a special teamers but last year with injuries in the safety position you were able to slot him in there and he did a decent job you just want to have those options available in your team and these raiders cornerbacks i don't think you have that star player yet Mm -hmm. but you have a more complete unit and they can help each other and help each other grow
0: why isn't the honey badger so pissed off at kansas city where he says I want to be a Raider. I got my chip. I got my ring. They don't want to pay me what I deserve. Let me go to Vegas and play for less, make it up in state taxes, sign a couple of memorabilia deals, uh, do a couple of truck and car deals in town, and show show Kansas City what they got.
1: He said it the other day that he was pissed off that they paid that safety from the Houston Texans, the kind of money they paid him, he was like, I would have taken that deal, but they didn't offer it to me. I would love for him to come over here and just be like the vengeance tour for him, knowing that he has two games a year against the Chiefs.
0: So you got a metal shirt on, Metallica. You go to Metallica. Uh, no BTS Army, but you know some people. You, me and you have been out at Allegiant Stadium early, before a game. Yep. Did you see anything like the BTS Army out there, some of the video, how early they got I there? I didn't
1: even get close to the stadium. I just saw videos online, shout-out to Faving K from Channel 5, mm-hmm. showing a video that people lining up at 5 in the morning to buy merchandise. Every ticket was was uh, had a seat assigned. So they didn't have to line up that early, and they were still there. It was crazy. That's great for Las Vegas, great for our stadium, and keep showing it off and keep filling it up. Have a good week. We'll talk to you. Gracias, hermano.
0: There he is, Harry Ruiz. When we come back, I said I wanted to talk about Dwayne haskins who died in south florida over the weekend the former quarterback legendary quarterback at ohio state the reaction to all of that some of it really bothered me and we'll talk about what he did that was great because he deserves it as we continue on the flagship of the raiders raider nation radio brought to you by grimaldi's five locations here in the valley best pizza i ever had Haskins in the gun, Weber to his right, Hill motioning right to left. Haskins gets the snap, rolls to his right, throws to Hill, has it, and slips into the end zone. K.J. Hill on a one-yard touchdown catch from Dwayne Haskins, secures six more points for
1: Ohio State.
0: J.T., welcome back as we continue today. A lot to get to coming off what was a pretty remarkable weekend in sports from the Masters to what we saw, a big baseball kickoff, unbelievable baseball weekend, if you paid attention to any of that at all. NHL, NBA playoffs coming now as the NBA regular season comes to an end. But I wanted to make sure we spent some time on Dwayne Haskins, who was killed in a car accident over the weekend, and it had a big effect on a lot of people. And it picked up a lot of steam on social media for some bad reasons and a lot of good where people paid respects Properly, And it's a topic I talk about from time to time on this show. When you handle someone dying, you have to handle it with dignity and respect. That's it. Not everybody has to comment. right? If you didn't know the young man or if you're hurt by it, maybe you just don't go to your phone and use your thumbs for a tweet. You just let it go. Or you say something in general, rest in peace, and you move on. So Adam Schefter put out a tweet about him and described him as a player that you know, just was, was a not, he wasn't a developed player and he took the tweet down and Adam Schefter is getting a lot of heat. I, I like Adam Schefter. We talk to him often. I've been talking to him often for most of my career and I think he's a good man. And when he tweeted it and it went out, it didn't go over well. And a lot of people were really upset about the first response and that particular tweet. And I can understand why Because he's a kid who just passed away, and everybody is heartbroken about it. So Adam Schefter is dealing with a lot, and he should. And he's getting a lot of heat for this. And there are a lot of athletes coming after him hard for what he wrote. And that's what happens with Twitter. It's not in your voice. It's what people perceive you saying. And you put it down there, and it stays with you. You can delete it. You can go away. You can come back. Here's the Schefter tweet. Dwayne Hatkins, a standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL, died this morning when he got hit by a car in South Florida. Per his agent, Cedric Saunders, Haskins would have turned 25 years old, excuse me, on May 3rd. The tweet needed to be out there because Adam Schefter has a lot of followers to let everybody know that Dwayne Haskins died but he should have never put in there before struggling to catch on with the Washington, now Commanders and Pittsburgh Steelers. There was no need to put the word struggling in there. And then Gil Brandt, our friend, I mean, Gil's 90, he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Gil put out a tweet. uh, He was on the radio, on NFL radio, and he was asked about it. Gil's 90, uh, Gil's words at that time, you know, off the cuff, and that didn't come across well. And I think the world of Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt's one of the big influences in my radio career. As I started off with him at Sports Fan Radio Network, and I see him at the Hall of Fame and all the years I've had him on the radio show, and Gil misspoke, and then Gil went back to Twitter, rightfully so, and said, this morning while learning of Dwayne Haskins' passing, I reacted carelessly and insensitively on a radio interview. I want to apologize to Mr. Haskins' family and to anyone who heard my poor choice of words. I truly apologize. My heart goes out to his family at this difficult time. Gil Brandt, a very sincere apology after he misspoke. And again, people are talking about Gil's age and what he said, what he did. Look, he made a mistake. He went on social media and he cleaned it up and he apologized and it was a very sincere apology. And I know Gil and I could say that about Gil that that is very sincere. So those two social media posts got some more attention than the actual young man who was killed in the car accident. And even in the article I read from the Associated Press, Haskins was working on a second chapter for his young NFL career at the age of 24. That's when his life was cut short. He was killed early Saturday morning when he was hit by a dump truck while he was walking on a South Florida highway. He was attempting to cross the westbound lanes of Interstate 595 When there was oncoming traffic. I don't know the details of this. I don't know his mindset. What was happening at that time. It is none of my business. When they report on it fully. And an investigation is done. We will report on it fully. But there was a lot of other people out there. Speculating about what happened. He got killed. He didn't kill someone else. He died unfortunately. And people are rushing to social media. To try to put the pieces of the puzzle together. No, Highway Patrol will do that, and the authorities down in Florida will do that, so his family should get some closure. But for me, we judge athletes and we judge people by what they're doing currently, what they've done in the past. Were they legendary? Did they have a fall from grace? Are they a bust or not? And we just got to stop doing that. And let me share some thoughts on this, because Dwayne Haskins, from everything I've read so far, from Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer, obviously, is going through a really tough time, uh, rightfully so, for his own doings for taking the Jacksonville job and not doing a very good job, of course. And he put out a heartfelt response to Dwayne Haskins passing away. It was his coach. He has the right to say whatever he wants. You can tell he has a very heavy heart at this point in time. Very heavy heart. And with him passing away, if his coach and former teammates want to say something, you don't have to comment on it. You don't have to comment at Urban Meyer. I was looking at the comments here. I was in shock. I just can't believe that people think they have to talk about this. Why do we judge people on what they did and and try to compare where they are in life? For years, I've been interviewing athletes, and some are great, from Jim Brown to Marcus Allen to Hall of Famers, Mike Ditka. People have all had big... Impacts on my life, Fred Bolitnikoff, Pete Rose, I'm name-dropping, and uh, so many other athletes. Last week, I interviewed former Raider quarterback, two-time Super Bowl champion Mark Wilson, who was a legend at BYU. He wasn't a legend with the Raiders. He won two Super Bowls as a backup. He was taken in the 1980 draft, 15 overall, ended up being a backup to Jim Plunkett, and he was supposed to play in front of Jim Plunkett, and Jim Plunkett won two Super Bowls. But prepping for the interview, I went back and I researched his career at BYU. It's one of the greatest careers in the history of college football. He's a college football Hall of Famer. He's an All-American. He won all these awards. He goes to the NFL. He's in the locker room. He wins two Super Bowls. He plays in the league. He has stats. And some people, I'm looking at the responses, are criticizing his play, and he wasn't as great as he should have been. Who cares? Ryan Leaf, frequent contributor. Always, Ryan Leaf will jump in and we'll talk about it. I'll interview him. I'll put it out. And there'll be some response about a bust or what he did in his life as he's trying to clean up his life of addiction, stay sober, and do all that. And then I want to get to Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow might be the most, one of the most important athletes of the last 20 years in any sport because he's a college football Hall of Famer. He went to the NFL. He won a playoff game. He had success. But nowhere near the success he had in college, where he was a two-time, two-time national champion and a Heisman Trophy winner. So he's on the the Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks ever play. All time. Great player. And people judge him and say he was a bust in the NFL. How dare you? He's not a bust with his faith and the charity work he does and the amount of money he raises. One of the most unique athletes that's out there. Television success. All the success that he's having. He is a great human being. But we judge Tim Tebow as an athlete. We shouldn't judge him as an athlete anymore. We should judge him as a humanitarian, a philanthropist, a broadcaster, a husband, everything that he does. But we got to judge him as the Florida quarterback and hate him because we're in the SEC and we're against him. Or we got to say he's a bust in the NFL. And that brings me again to Dwayne Haskins. He was a Rose Bowl MVP in 2019. you know how amazing that is? The cover of the newspaper where he played, the Columbus Dispatch, this is the cover of the paper on Sunday, going into the Sunday Masters. Haskins took Ohio State quarterback play to a new level, and others followed. Urban Meyer, heartbroken, he was a beautiful kid. And all the social media I'm looking back on seems to show that Dwayne Haskins was a beautiful human being who had a lot of friends, was a work in progress like I am and you am, And then it's a fight for his legacy on Twitter after he died violently and people just can't leave it alone. I I hope this is a learning experience again for social media and what people think is right or wrong on social media. Everybody should just back the hell off and let this young man's family have time to heal, to sit back and all of his teammates and all of his friends who are going to go to the service and are devastated should just sit back and say, I was friends with him. He had an amazing life. The Washington Capitals held a moment of silence for Dwayne Haskins before their game against the Boston Bruins. Kyler Murray, heartbreaking. Prayers to his family and loved ones. Love yours while they're here. And then I'm looking through everybody else who's saying great things about him. That's what he should be remembered for. He wasn't, and there's a beautiful post of him as a young boy I don't know, he could have been seven, eight years old in the locker room at Ohio State, and he says he's going to go to Ohio State. As a young boy, the first time he stepped foot on campus as a little kid, and he became a Buckeye legend. Absolutely incredible, the life that this young man led. And it's a shame that he was taken from us at the age of 24. It's just a shame. And everybody should just take a step back and let this young man rest in peace. And if you're going to get on social media, Just say rest in peace or don't say anything at all and just let the people who actually know him and his family, if they're going to tell you anything, they'll tell you about it. They'll tell you about his beautiful life, his brilliant career, and maybe we could have said, and I have no problem with that, maybe we could have dreamed that he could turn it all around and get his career to a level that he expected it to be. Not us, what he expected it to be. The Big Ten Network finally put this out. To honor the memory of Dwayne Haskins, Big Ten Network will air these three, and they shed his three finest games. Listen to this. 2018 Big Ten title game. 2018 at Penn State. 2019 at the Rose Bowl. What more did this kid need to do? The countless great memories that he had at Ohio State. The brilliant numbers he put up, he's going to go down as one of the greatest Ohio State quarterbacks of all time. That could be his legacy. Maybe he would have been a great player at some point. 2018, 70% completion rate, 373 completions out of 533 passes, 4,831 yards. Let that sink in. This is college. 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions. 50 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Are you kidding me? No one should wonder what he was going to become next. We don't know what he was going to become next. But he was a beautiful person, had a great life. It was taken tragically, and it shouldn't be the topic of social media and what happens when social media let it go. Let this kid rest in peace, because he seems like he was a brilliant person who was trying to get his life to where he wanted it to be, not where we wanted it to be. And there's a lot of turmoil in his life. We're aware of that. He's no longer with us. Let's celebrate what he was able to do. He was able to bring a smile to a lot of people's faces. He signed autographs. He was a god at Columbus. He was a professional football player and a quarterback in the NFL. A high draft pick, all of it. Don't rank people. Don't rank me from where you think my career is now compared to two years ago, 18 years ago, where it'll be five years from now. We shouldn't put people where they are every day in life and say, this is where you're at. This is where you rank. This is where you're supposed to be. Most of us don't know where we're supposed to be. There's a lot of people struggling. There's a lot of people looking in their life every day wanting to be better, and they don't need to be judged on Twitter. Dwayne Haskins died over the weekend, hit by a car at the age of 24 years old. As RG3 said, he had so much life ahead of him, even beyond the football field. Most will remember him as a star at Ohio State and NFL quarterback. But let us all send up a prayer for his family who lost so much more. Nicely said, Robert Griffin III. I couldn't say it any better. That's why I read it that way. Respect people when they're alive and when they pass away. Say rest in peace or don't say anything else. Pretty emotional on this and everybody else should be because he's a good kid and he's, he's gone. 702-365-9200, if you're joining us late, Frank Vogel was fired officially as the head coach of the Lakers. Now the Lakers have to figure out who the coach is going to be next. Nobody has an idea. Nobody has an idea. You can, you can reach for the stars and say, Coach K, Jay Wright, go to college, or you're going to just have to go to an assistant coach or someone else along the way. I don't think anybody's going to come through the Laker organization who's been there before. Derek Fisher was a coach at a very high level. The Lakers have good – I'd like to see James Worthy. I really would love to see James Worthy come out of television and do it. He was great this year being critical of this team. Great. He'd be the perfect guy to come in there and get it done. And, uh, you know, some of the other names that are out there, I don't know. Uh, LeBron's in charge. LeBron is in charge of all of this. Because if you want to keep LeBron, you're going to have to go out and figure it out. You're going to have to go figure it out. And LeBron's the guy who's in charge. I don't know how this is going to jump in here. So, uh, oh, thank you, Bobby, for reminding me. TJ the head coach of Nevada, the manager of Nevada baseball. So, Thank you for telling me where the clock is at. Uh, The manager of Nevada baseball I went to dinner with, with John Ramey, who's the voice of Nevada sports. So John's the voice of Nevada football, basketball, and baseball. He's a very good friend of mine. So we went out to dinner after Nevada took two from UNLV. I don't have a dog in the fight. Don't have a dog in the fight, but the manager, TJ, life long die hard Raider fan. I'm talking die hard Raider fan. And this was from the Nevada pregame show on Sunday as they were going for the sweep against our UNLV Rebels here in town. But uh shout out hey shout out to to our guy JT the Brick. Oh, yeah. You know, uh what, what a great dinner last night yeah. we had with him and legendary, but uh, just want to thank JT for his time. And, um, it was really a great chance to, to get to know him, and uh, go Raiders. He is Wolfpack head coach T.J. Bruce, our conversation with the coach, brought to you by your Northern Nevada Toyota dealer. Nice shout-out there by T.J. Bruce. We had dinner over at Virgin at Olives, which is a phenomenal restaurant. We'll be doing more with them, and sat down with him and the skipper, He's a great guy, and on that day, our buddy Steve Gomez, his son, came out and hit for the cycle. Hit for the cycle. How cool would it be to have your son, who's playing for Nevada, hit for the bleeping cycle? And we had dinner, and it was all about Raiders. We talked about the Raiders at length and had a great time, and, man, is he a fan. And the way he coaches Nevada has a lot to do with the way that the Raiders coach. He was fantastic, so Nevada baseball was going for the sweep against UNLV, and they had him in the last game. UNLV had a roaring comeback. But I just want to bring this up again. Dario Gomez and his dad is our partner here with Modelo. He became the first pack player to hit for the cycle, and that was at Air Force in uh, April 28th of 19 when Keaton Smith was the last player to do it. So Nevada almost got a sweep here. Going to baseball here in town, I highly recommend everybody doing it there are future pro baseball players playing for UNLV and Nevada and it was fun to be out there. Weather was great, little windy, ball flying out and a lot of excitement and parents. You know, it was really cool to see my kids played little league and they played late into little league and you know some of the memories. I always said this, Bobby, the best people I've ever met in my life and the worst people I've ever met in my life were through little league. And when the little league dream ended for me, not my kids. My son, they, play, they were good ball players, but when they were done, they were done. To go to the UNLV baseball game and to see parents who have kids playing in college and how proud they are and to watch them and the joy on their face and the sorrow if they make an out, that was cool to see. I haven't been around that in a while. And it makes me kind of want to go to a Little League game in Summerlin South or somewhere in town and watch these kids as long as the parents aren't psychos. As long as the parents just sit down and don't walk up to the cage and yell at the umps. Yell at their kids. Yell at everybody. Calm down. Their kids. Let them play baseball. You're not the coach. The coach is the coach. Let them deal with it. Nice job today. Thanks to Harry Ruiz, who was kind enough to join us. And I thought it was fun to talk to James Falston, who came on. Former linebacker for the Raiders, as he told this story. And we're in the 90s now. We'll look back at the Raiders draft as we gear up for the draft here at the end of the month. Thanks to all of our partners who are here. And we'll find out what's going to happen now as the Raider players, as Harry told us, Derek Carr, first one in the building. And Raiders.com has photos of all the players showing up for the offseason today. Very impressive. I'm sure Q's going to get to that. Then Vinny Bonsignor, I'm on from 7 to 10 every night on Sirius XM 82. If you get a chance to listen at night, and you can find me there. Again, thanks again to Bobby and everybody else here, and I hope everybody has a great week. Extensive programming. As the NBA playoffs start, they play that juice box playing game, and baseball's underway. We didn't get too much baseball. Got a couple of baseball guests this week. Have a great day, everybody. Always appreciate your time. Two hours a day, right in the middle of Raider Nation Radio. Thank you for listening.